What happens oftentimes in marriage is we obey God in the areas that we agree with God. Mm-hmm. Say, God, I'll, okay, I'll obey in the financial, but not the sexual. Mm-hmm. Or I'll obey in the sexual, but not the financial. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, God gives them grace and revelation. Those are the two things God does. The first thing they do is obedience. They do exactly what God tells them to do. And what happens is as a result, they're saved through the judgment. Mm. And we're going to keep stressing this with their story. And a lot of times Christians are like, when is Jesus coming back? When is the end of the world? When do we get to leave? You know, some of you are really into end times and charts and graphs and trying to predict everything. And good luck with that. Mm. Um, and and at, the, at, the, at the point that judgment comes, they're not going to get out of it. They've got to go through it. Well, hello, Mark and Grace Driscoll here, the XO Marriage Podcast. We are in episode two of this season talking about Noah and his wife. So thanks for joining us for the uh, Real Marriage Podcast. And what happens with Noah and his wife? We're going through Genesis. We looked at Adam and Eve. Now we're looking at Noah and his wife. Then we'll look at uh, Abraham and Sarah. We're looking at Genesis through the perspective of marriages. Mm-hmm. And I've, I'm preaching through the whole book of Genesis. We got study guides, all that's for free at realfaith.com. But uh, but when it comes to Noah, what we want to talk about today is uh, the whole world dies in a flood. Noah and his wife spend 120 years preaching and preparing, preaching to people, hey, give your life to the Lord. No one does except for their sons and their three wives. So it's four couples, eight people all together that enter the ark and preparing the ark, which becomes the vehicle through which God saves their family through judgment. And so uh, we want to use the acronym for this episode of GROW, G-R-O-W, Grace, Revelation, Obedience, and Worship. Mm. The key to the marriage for um, Noah and his wife is they receive grace from God and revelation from God. That's what God did. And then obedience, they did what God said. And then worship, they worship God. So if we live in the days of Noah. Everything's dark and getting worse. And God's getting ready to flood the world, not with water, but with fire. And how do you make it through? Uh, grace and revelation. So um, the first one, uh, when we talk about grace, the uh, do, do you remember the kids story Bibles that our littles had when they were babies. And I would get a Sharpie out and I would edit the kids' Bibles. So (laughs) the kids' Bibles sometimes look like the Watergate transcript, (laughs) thanks to me. But the there was one story in particular I would always edit. I don't know if you remember what it was or why. Yeah, because it said Noah was a righteous man. But in that context, he received God's grace and God put righteousness on Noah. It wasn't Noah's good behavior that earned him anything. It was God's grace. So the hero of the story of Noah and his wife is not Noah and his wife, but God's grace mm-hmm. at work for in and through Noah and his wife. So Genesis 6 says it this way. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every intention of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Everybody's only thinking naughty thoughts all the time. And the Lord... Uh, was grieved or regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Sin doesn't just break God's law, it breaks God's heart. In the same way, if you got kids and they're doing everything wrong and hurting themselves, it's not just, hey, you're breaking the rules. It's like, you're breaking my heart. Mm -hmm. You know, God made us, he loves us. When we sin, we self-destruct, and that causes him to suffer. So the Lord said, I'll blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, 
man and animal, creeping things and birds of heaven, uh, for I'm grieved that I have made them. Here's the big idea. But Noah found favor, favor in the eyes of the Lord. That's it's the Hebrew word for grace. Mm-hmm. And if memory serves me correct, it's the first time that that word for grace appears in the Bible. Mm. So what it says is everybody was a sinner, including Noah. And it says then Noah found favor or grace Mm -hmm. in the sight of God. And then it later says that Noah was a righteous man. So the way we tend to tell the story is not the way that God tells the story. And this is why I always edited the kid's Bible. (laughs) The kid's Bible was always, Noah was a righteous man. Mm -hmm. And so he got a boat. And all the unrighteous guys, they got to swim. (laughs) Be like Noah, uh, you know, you you won't have to swim. It's like, no, no, He, he wasn't a good guy. He got God's grace and God's grace made him righteous. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul teaches us in the New Testament. We're saved by grace. We're declared righteous by the grace of God. So it starts that Noah and his wife, they don't start as good people. They start as sinners like everybody else, and God gives them grace. So the first thing on your marriage is you need grace, and then God gives them revelation. God gives them, in Genesis 6 and 7, really specific instructions exactly how to build this gigantic ark. Make it this many cubits and that many cubits, and make it this many stories, and make it out of this wood and not that wood. God gives them a revelation tells them this is exactly how you're supposed to do it. So the first two things, uh, grace and revelation, those come from God. And then obedience and worship come from no one as well. So if you want to grow, you need grace and revelation from God. And then you and your wife, your spouse, need to obey and worship. And uh, on the obedience, I don't know if you can read it. Can you read uh, chapter 7, verse 5, right there from Genesis? Nope, you can't read it. Didn't bring your cheaters. Okay, I'll read it. Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. So God told he and his wife, here's what you need to do. And they did everything that God told them to do. So as a husband and a wife, we're saved by grace. And then we get revelation. Today, that would be the word of God. And then for us, our responsibility is obedience as a couple. Why is it important that we don't just do what the Lord says, but like knowing his wife, do all that the Lord commanded. Because partial obedience is not obedience. <laughs> Can you imagine if they partially obeyed the building of the ark? Yeah, it wouldn't have floated. <laughs> <laughs> and life is like that. Yep. Sometimes we're like, God, I obeyed some of your commands. It's like it's like God giving commands on building the ark. And you're like, well, we did, you know. Did a pretty good job. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, we forgot the roof. <laughs> Oh, oh, the door. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, they had to obey everything that God told them because God is telling them this is how you build the ark, the boat that's going to deliver you through judgment. And God knows the future. And so when he gives us instructions, they didn't understand that probably that they were going to bring every animal, two of every kind onto the boat. And even if they did know that, how would they know how big to make it? Because they don't understand space and, you know, air quality and all the different variables of having that many animals on one floating thing. And so if they didn't pay attention to that, something would have been off. It wouldn't have been a blessing to them as much as God, you know, wanted to bless them through this rescue. It was a rescue in many ways from many things. And so having God know the future, he knows what details to give us so that we can be ready for the future that he has. Well, I think you bring something here. And that is something that some commentators would say, 
that up until this point in human history, it had never rained on the earth. Exactly. So when God looks at them and says, all right, 120 years, you guys are going to need to build a boat and uh, make sure you put a very large roof on the top of the boat to protect it from the rain. They're like, what is rain? rain? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and why do we need a roof? Mm-hmm. It's never rained. Mm-hmm. God's like, well, it's going to. Yeah. Had they not obeyed him, um, they would have died. Mm-hmm. And and this is this is the point. Sometimes we think that God is sort of controlling and he's domineering and he's overbearing. And when he tells us to do something, he, he's just like a, a, a horrible joy. boss mm-hmm. or a killjoy. Mm-hmm. Like, God's like, no, actually... I'm telling you to do something because I do know the future. And if you don't obey me today, you're going to die tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. You're going to hurt yourself tomorrow. Exactly. And so what happens oftentimes in marriage is we obey God in the areas that we agree with God. Mm-hmm. It's like, God, I'll, okay, I'll obey in the financial, but not the sexual. Mm-hmm. Or I'll obey in the sexual, but not the financial. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, God gives them grace and revelation. Those are the two things God does. The first thing they do is obedience. They do mm-hmm. exactly what God tells them to do. And what happens is as a result, they're saved through the judgment. Mm. And we're going to keep stressing this with their story. And a lot of times Christians are like, when is Jesus coming back? When is the end of the world? When do we get to leave? You know, and some of you are really into end times and charts and graphs and trying to predict everything. And good luck with that. <laughs> um, and and at the, at, the, at the point that judgment comes... They're not going to get out of it. They've got to go through it. Mm-hmm. And we just came through COVID, elections, race riots, you know, who yeah. knows what's next. Yeah. There's stuff we got to go through. And oftentimes God's people are like, well, how do we get around it? You got to go through it. Mm-hmm. And obedience is the way that you put your life together. You build your boat together as a married couple that you can climb into it and survive it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so what happens is they get, they're saved. They, and sometimes we think of, well, I, you know, I obey the Lord so I can be saved from hell. Well, let me say this. Sometimes before you go to hell, hell comes to you. Yeah. Like life has got its own little internships for hell. It yeah. shows up. Yeah. There are some days it's just like hell came up today. Mm-hmm. And so obeying God is not just to be saved from going to hell. It's also being saved through the days that hell comes up mm-hmm. to you. And we've had some of those days in our life, yes. in our marriage, where it's like, we're not going to go to hell, but it feels like hell has come mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and Noah and his wife have those days, um, and they're saved. Mm-hmm. They make it. It's yeah. not easy, but everything they work for, God used to save them as a married couple, and then their sons, three sons, and their wives, those married couples. And then what happens when they get off the boat after they're saved, so grow, God gives them grace, revelation, they respond with obedience. They do what the Lord says. They're saved from a hellish life. And then on the end, as they exit the boat, uh, what they do, they worship. They build an altar. They build an altar mm-hmm. and they worship. And they worship as a married couple and their sons with their daughters join them in worship. Here you've got four couples worshiping. Mm-hmm. Just think about this for a moment. Everyone else is dead. Mm. This is, it's eerily quiet. Yeah. You're thankful, but also, oh my Shocked, goodness. Yeah, traumatized, overwhelmed. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like only four couples made it. 
And what did they have in common? Four things. They received grace from God and revelation from God that they obeyed. Mm -hmm. Now, other people got revelation from God. Peter tells us in the New Testament, Noah preached to everybody for 120 Mm -hmm. years Mm -hmm. and nobody obeyed. Yeah. So you can get revelation, but without obedience, you're not saved. Mm -hmm. And so after they, I mean, it had to be this sort of apocalyptic scene. Water is subsiding. Everyone is gone. I don't know if there's bodies and debris and clothes washed up on Mm -hmm. the top of mountains. You're looking around like, oh my goodness. We had no idea it was going to get this bad. Mm -hmm. The first thing they do, they get off the boat, they build an altar, and they worship God. Mm -hmm. So the G-R-O-W, grace, revelation, obedience, worship. The first two things God does, grace and revelation, and then our response needs to be obedience and then worship. Mm -hmm. So, uh, honey, where I really want to camp is on this. What does it look like for a married couple to stop and build an altar? What is that practically? Because we, we tend to think of that as a kind of an antiquated old thing. You would make it out of whatever rocks or dirt mm-hmm. were around. But it's literally consecrating a place and saying, we just need to stop here and, and we need to meet with God. Yeah, it's it means stopping in prayer, thanking the Lord for the blessing, thanking Him for carrying you through something, um, you know, having a, a remembrance of it and acknowledging that, that God just did this and worshiping and, and honoring Him in that and showing that, you realize that wasn't of you, but that was of the Lord. That can be through prayer. It can be through, you know, having a place that you go to together to remember. Um, they, you know, stack rocks and made a little actual physical altar, but you can do that with, you know, photo memories. You can do it with actually having just a physical place you visit and pray together or whatever that looks like for you as a couple to remember what God did. Well, and so it's going to sound weird. For you, the laundry room is an altar. <laughs> I pray a lot and spend a lot of time with the Lord doing laundry because I do a lot of laundry. <laughs> and see, I can't associate the Lord in laundry. I just, you know, <laughs> I can't. I would do my exorcism in the laundry room. But So what does it look like for you to even take the laundry room and say, you know what, it is possible to turn the laundry room into an altar, a place where you meet with God. What does that look like for you practically? I mean, I'm just folding clothes. I'm doing a non-thinking job. I'm transferring stuff in and out. And so for me, I have brain space during that time to actually, um, my hands are busy, but I can offer thanks to the Lord. I can pray for my kids. I can, you know, listen to the Lord in that. I can listen to the Bible app or whatever podcast, or I can, you know, grow in my faith in that moment, not just be folding clothes and being disgruntled. I can thank the Lord that we have clothes, that we have laundry to do, that we have a washer and a dryer. That we, I mean, there's just over and over, there's so many things that I can utilize that space being thankful for what God has given us. Where, uh, as you think of building an altar and where somebody meets with the Lord, where is that for me? For you, it's in the laundry room. Uh, Probably in the, me, it's not in the laundry room. In the woods, taking a walk, um, you know, in your study. You spend a lot of time in your study, you know, studying God's Word and for teaching and preaching and counseling others. And um, so there's kind of a, a few, you love being outside. So wherever that is, just, you know, seeing God's beauty in creation is a reminder to you to worship Him. Well, and for me, worship of God includes, obviously, a lot of study. Mm-hmm. So I've always had a large library, and I always like to have it home so mm-hmm. that you and the kids can access it. 
And I appreciate that you've never been negative about that. I mean, your dad was a pastor, so you're probably accustomed to it. But <laughs> I've got a large room at our house that's dedicated just for books and study. Mm-hmm. And that, and I'll, I've got a chair there that I kneel and pray at. And that's where I read and, and sermon prep and study. And to me, that's an altar. That's mm-hmm. where I meet with the Lord. And you're right. I love prayer hiking in the woods. I love silence and solitude and fresh air. And so there are certain places that literally... Uh, well, there, once a week, I'll schedule a hike in the mountains with the Lord, and that's just, uh, that's an altar. It's, mm-hmm. So when you think of an altar, don't think of some superstitious, magical, right. highly ornate religious. When Noah and his family built, an, and him and his wife built an altar, it wasn't fancy. Mm-hmm. I mean, the world had just been flooded. There's yeah, nothing left. It's probably wet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They probably grabbed some earth or some rocks, stacked it up, and just said, you know what? We're just going to make a little memorial here. Mm-hmm. We're going to stop. We're going to pray. We're going to sing. We're going to thank the Lord. We're going to meet with the Lord. We're going to invite his presence. We're going to hear his voice. And the good news is, um, you know, we don't have a God who forces us to build a place to meet with him. He'll come meet with us in any Mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Noah doesn't need to get off the boat and then go build some ornate you know, temple or (laughs) sanctuary. He just Mm -hmm. throws a couple stones together and God meets them there. And so as a couple, um, the way that we are saved, not just from hell when we die, but from hell and visits of hell when we live is God gives grace revelation. We respond with obedience and worship. And here's what Jesus says in Matthew 24, as it was in the days of Noah. Mm. uh, So it will be at the coming of the son of man. Jesus says, like it was for Noah, it's going to be that way again when I come back. Uh, For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking. They're certainly doing that now. Marrying, but not marrying in the Lord. Right. Up to the day that Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Mm. And so what Jesus says is Genesis isn't just about what happened, but about what always happens. And the judgment in the days of Noah is a precursor and a forewarning to the eternal judgment that comes at the end. First judgment was with water. Last judgment is with fire. And what it says is everybody was living their life and getting married, but nobody was getting ready Mm. for the judgment. Yeah. Except for Noah and his wife. And they were obeying God and worshiping God. And so our encouragement to you would be, we don't know what the end, or rather, we don't know when the end will be. Mm -hmm. Human history is coming to an end. But we do know that if as a couple, you're obeying and worshiping God, like Noah and his wife did, they obeyed and worshiped God every day for 120 years. And they didn't know which day they'd really need it. but they were obeying and worshiping on the day that they really needed it and they were saved. They were mm-hmm. spared. And so the encouragement that we would have for you is, have you received God's grace through Jesus yeah. Christ? Or are you availing yourself to God's revelation through his word? Are you obeying him as a couple? And as, as you're living your life together, are you stopping to worship God mm-hmm. continually as a couple? Mm-hmm. And I know I've done most of the talk in this episode, but um, my, one of my favorite things every single week is holding your hand in church and raising my other hand in worship mm-hmm. to God. Yeah. Yeah. We're worshiping 
our God separately together. We're individually worshiping because we have our own relationships with the Lord, but we're doing it as a unified couple. And the couple that is worshiping, whenever the last day is, they're ready for it. Mm -hmm. And they'll be saved through it. Amen. So you want to pray for them as they're working on their obedience and their worship? Sure. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity to learn from Noah and his family. Um, Thank you that you put grace on them just like you put grace on us. Thank you that you give us revelation. You speak to us. You show us um, what you have for us when we're ready to hear. Um, And Lord, I pray that each of these couples would walk in obedience to what you've given, what you've told them, and that ultimately they would always worship you knowing that you are a good God that has good for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 